Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, lay back, lean back, put your arm on your table and your head down on your elbow, whatever you need to relax um, as you listen to this podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to all the people who listen, new and the people who've been listening for a while. I do appreciate you as a listener. I'm Marco Timpano, and I have a episode today that I'm excited about. So I'm going to try to just check my excitement. I had an opportunity to see an immersive art exhibit, the first I've ever seen. And I'm fortunate because a friend of mine is involved in it. So when I asked her, I said, would you mind coming on the podcast to talk about this experience I had? She was like, of course. So please let me welcome one of my dearest, most wonderful, talented, expressive, genius of a friend, Dale Boyer. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. I am so excited to be here, and I'm also going to have to check my excitement. Okay. Okay. So we were, we're going to do our best to check our excitement, folks. I know that sometimes listeners will be saying things like the topic is too interesting. That said, Dale, I've had a lot of feedback from people who listen to the podcast in the morning as they start their day. They say they enjoy listening as they get up and as they get ready because we talk about light, airy, somewhat interesting things. So perhaps that's the episode for them today, but hopefully we can lull you as well. My intention is to lull and at the same time talk about this experience you got to have at the exhibit. Okay, so first of all, it's called the, and correct me if I'm wrong, Immersive Van Gogh Exhibit. That is correct. And I'm going to describe it, and you're going to correct me, because I'm sure I'm going to do not the best job. So what happens is, and what's unique about this exhibit in particular, is that you actually walk or drive into a large area, and Van Gogh's work appears around you in 360 degrees and it is simply spectacular and jaw-dropping did i describe it correctly yes i i think i can expand on that a little bit please Um, please. the exhibit is actually six hundred thousand cubic feet so it was actually an old printing press is what the exhibit is housed in uh it is large enough to drive vehicles into. 
And it's actually so large that we created two galleries for it, one for people to walk through and another for people to literally drive their cars into. And I should add, the floor is also projections. So it's more than 360, really, because 360 would be all... If you spun your head around, you would hit 360. But if you go down, and is it on the ceiling as well? It is not on the ceiling. However, there are mirror effects in the center of the room that gives it a kind of endless quality at times. I never look. I never had an opportunity to look up, Dale, because there was so much going around me, and there was so much to take in, and there was the lovely sounds of the music. And I was in my car. I have yet to do the one where I walk in, which I'm excited to do because I feel like the experience will be as great but different. Yeah, they are very different. Many people say in the car it can feel a little bit like they're floating or flying up into the paintings in a way. Um, For myself, I've never had an experience in my own vehicle where I feel comfortable. Yes, You know, you get in your car every day. It's a very familiar place. And then to have projections around your car to suggest that almost it's moving on an axis that it wouldn't move on, not forwards or backwards, but up, uh, was pretty magical. Now that you mention it, it certainly feels like you're floating, or at least that was my experience. But the great thing is you're floating inside Van Gogh's artwork. So it's almost like, you know, when you see an animation of cartoons that kind of like fall from the sky and behind them, all these different patterns are kind of appearing. It felt like I dove into a painting and it was all around me. Yeah, that's When you describe that, I almost think of that Homer Simpson episode where he's has the hot sauce and he goes on an adventure that to me feels kind of similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely very moving when you allow yourself to just be truly taken away with it. Sure. Mm -hmm. Why Van Gogh? I think Van Gogh for a lot of people is, you know, many people say he never sold any art. He never knew what a genius he was. He was an outsider. And there's no question when you see Van Gogh's works in person, they're, they're different than what was happening at the time. And I think people can relate to that. It's also, sure. The color is stunning. It's, it's, well, the irises, everything that you're, the sunflowers, when you're in that, what a great world to be in, right? And how striking and inspiring and awesome it is. I had never really seen or known much about almond blossoms, his piece. It's blue. Sure. And I am a full, it's become one of my favorite pieces of art. I think it's so gorgeous in a way that I've never appreciated until I saw it in massive five stories being pulled apart and to see the to see the brush strokes and to hear a bit of the history and to hear music and hear the stories of van gogh while you get to see the paintings and just see it all around you and the brush strokes one of the things that i loved was you get you can 
some of the imagery is brings you right in to see brush strokes that that he did in his some of his most famous paintings and some of his not so famous paintings. I thought it was incredible. Yeah. Okay, so Dale, this art exhibit is about Van Gogh, but who brought it to life? Oh, um, actually, it was uh, designed and conceived by Massimiliano Sicardi, and the music okay. and soundtrack was done by Luco Longobardi. Luca Longobardi. Okay. And it was brought to the venue that I saw by Lighthouse Immersive. That's right. Yep. So So there's many people involved to bring this to light. Yeah. I mean, Massimiliano and Luca put together the um, Atelier de Lumiere in Paris. And that was the first time it was displayed. That's right. And this is a completely different exhibit. Oh, how so? They've created a different way of putting the pictures together and the art together, as well as it's a different venue. So each venue is put together uniquely created for that space. So this one one is is uniquely made for the Toronto star printing press. It's like a snowflake, right? Each exhibit will be different in each city. That's right. It's quite remarkable what Sicardi did with the paintings themselves. He has pulled them apart in a way that allows you to focus on, like you said, brush strokes, and also grouping mm-hmm. paintings together to give them a context. I thought there's a very stunning moment when um, he combines photos with, or, sorry, he combines images of Van Gogh's time at the um, hospital where he was staying, and he does this with a with a way of putting together doorways and paintings and the outside orchard uh, in a way that you would never see all those paintings at the same time. And it was a prolific time for him. He was doing a painting a day, which is unheard of at the time. Sure. So can you pull back the curtain and give us insight to what's going on and how much technology is working? Because it's seamless when you're there. You don't even know what's going on. Like you're just in the experience. And I wasn't thinking of what was going on, but are you able to give us a little glimpse of how many projections or how much, what's going on? Absolutely. A lot of people will reach out and say, oh, it's just a projection. It's a projector. It's actually about 60 projectors and they're overlapped on top of each other and working together in a complex grid in order to kind of, how's the word, knit together the image in a way that feels seamless from the ceiling down the wall across the floor and up the other wall Um, as well as a sound system that is enormous goes all the way around the room and the grid system itself has some enormous thing like 10,000 square feet of truss that all 60 projectors had to be put on on the floor and then raised together on one day. And it went up inch by inch by inch. And of course, the team is uh, very trained. And uh, it wasn't worrying to them, but to someone like me who has not seen such an amazing feat, it was really remarkable. Wow. Yeah. And you know what's funny, Dale, is you don't – It's. It's done so well that as a spectator, spectator, you don't even stop to think 
how is this being done because you're in it and only speaking with you that I'm like, how exactly? Like, is it very complex? It's seamless. That's the beautiful part of it. Like, I think you don't notice what's going on because it's very seamless. Like you said, it's knitted together, dovetailed together so well that the spectator is just in awe. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of patrons will come and just find a spot on the floor. Some people like Mm -hmm. to have a cushion. They'll sit on the floor and they'll sit for hours and just watch the exhibit cycle through, sit in different areas of the room. And I think you really can get lost, truly lost in it. So brilliant. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. So this is being put on by Lighthouse Immersive and it's called Immersive Van Gogh Exhibit. Yeah. And I'm fortunate because it's in my home city of Toronto. But if we have listeners who are like, you know what? I live in Minneapolis and I would love to see this. Or I live in um, Manchester, UK, and I would love to see this. Can they reach out to uh, Immersive Van Gogh and just say, hey, bring it to our city? Yeah, we have a lot of people actually reach out almost daily from different cities and places, countries that would like to see it. What's pretty interesting about this exhibit itself is because it has a walkthrough and drive-through quality to it. You can put it in almost any area. So as long as it's indoors, um, we can bring it. And knowing how quickly multiple galleries can come together, uh, I'm excited to see where it's going to go next. Wow. It's incredible. So they can just, on all social media at Immersive Van Gogh and say, hey, Dale, bring it to our city or hey, hey, folks, bring it to our city and to tell them why they should bring it to your wonderful city. And maybe they will. I'm making promises on behalf of them, you know, but, which I shouldn't. I'm but. happy for these promises. I am going to work for these <laughs> promises. Tell me you're a listener of the Insomnia Project and we will get it to your town. There you go. Uh, Dale, let me ask you this. So you're the social media uh, social media manager for Immersive Van Gogh. What are some of the emails or your Twitters or tweets or Instagram things you got that really touched you with regards to this exhibit? You know, I get on average probably anywhere between 200 and 300 comments a day. Um, and they all vary in different types sure. of comments that I get or different people that reach out. But it's pretty amazing i think when people get to visit it with different generations of family we get people who will say i got to go i brought my parents and i brought my kids and of course they look at an exhibit like that completely different you know kids it's so awe-inspiring and for adults as we get older you can you can allow the images to make you feel what your experiences you get to live in them right um you know van gogh felt very strongly that like art was there to help us understand nature he talks about it in his letters um to his brother which he's prolific if if anyone has an opportunity to read the letters they're all free online you can go and read every letter that he did back and forth with his brother his sister-in-law kept them all published them basically his sister-in-law made him who he is, which she is the unsung hero. She is the absolute unsung hero of his story. So 
Let's sing her praises, Dale. Yes, I'm going to sing Johanna's praises. Johanna <laughs> had the foresight to remember and keep all of the letters that went back and forth between her husband and Vincent. And she took that opportunity to publish them. Right. Make a name for herself and also to really promote his work in a way that I don't think he ever expected it to be taken in by the, you know, populace. It sounds to me if it wasn't for Joanna, we wouldn't know Van Gogh the way we know him today. Oh, there's no question in my mind that we wouldn't know him. He had sold a few pieces. Um, His brother was an art dealer. And so, sure, he was friends with you know, multiple artists and has had, you know, the, that famous fight with Gauguin and all of these, all of these stories. But the truth is. Which you, you learn this, you learn a bit more of that when you go to the exhibit. I'll just tell people that you'll, you'll, you'll dive into his life a bit as well. We won't go into that because it can get exciting, but I will ask you in a moment, Dale, uh, some interesting facts you may have learned oh, okay. about Van Gogh. Listen, I'm a- I feel like I cut you off there. You were talking about um, uh, Johanna and, and the letters and uh, how prolific she was in bringing his work yeah. to light. And he he was quite well read and really, uh, he really loved religion and he really loved um, helping and being close to the poor. And so you can really see it in his letters. And it's interesting. I never... I, you know, I'm a social media manager and uh, an actor, and I never thought I would be reading the lengths of Van Gogh's letters to his brother. And now that I have, I'm really thankful that I have. Oh, that's great. So that leads me into what are some interesting facts or things you learned about Van Gogh? I like the one-off interesting things that I find as we've been going along with research. So the other day, okay. I found a painting that actually had a grasshopper in it. And so oh. it had been just sitting in the paint for, you know, whatever, 100 years. And oh, an actual grasshopper was in the paint that ended up on the canvas? Yeah, so he used to paint outside. And no one had looked close enough. And one day they were doing a cleaning or a re- restoration of this piece. And there was a grasshopper in it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of, you know, those bugs that get trapped in amber? Yes, like Jurassic and then, Park. And, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Oh, what a great what a great piece of information that is. What else have you learned about Van Gogh? Um, I think what's interesting is that he didn't have a lot of money. He was being bankrolled by his brother, basically. And oh. that's a lot of the reason why there are so many self-portraits of Van Gogh. I always thought he was some kind of narcissist that just painted himself a lot because, you know, I'm not, I didn't go to school for art. I'm not a historian, but it turns out he did that because he couldn't pay for models. And so he painted himself. Oh, wow. He was quite adamant that models that sit for him were paid. Oh, that's great. That's great. What a, what a, what a fascinating exhibit. What a fascinating peek into what goes on beyond beyond what we see and uh, how interesting these little tidbits of information about Van Gogh mm-hmm. himself. I would love to see this 
um, type of immersive ex- experience with other artists. Like I could just, and this is bias, and my listeners know that I have a Canadian slant to me, but I would love to see the Group of Seven's work. Oh, this kind of thing. I have said it in every meeting. I can possibly say it. I just think that some of the group of sevens work on that scale would be breathtaking in a way. Just, I would love to experience it. Well, just imagine Lauren Harris, for example, who's my favorite group of seven, his brush strokes were really, um, definite like reminiscent of van gogh and you could couple it with music that is uniquely canadian in an immersive exhibit i'll leave it there for people listening um uh who you work with to to consider well you know what there's actually a group of seven connection with van gogh oh no i didn't know this um there is a group of seven painting and i am failing right now in who did it but there is a there is a painting from one of the painters, a group of seven, through a window uh, at children at play outside in the snow. And if you look on the windowsill, Van Gogh's sunflowers, there is a print of Zim- of his sunflowers print postcard in a oh, group of seven wonderful. painting. And I'm going to send it to you after this because it's really a surprise to see it. And so, folks, you can look at our Instagram and I will post it there so they can see what we're talking about here with regards to that group of seven uh, nod to or the baton being passed from Van Gogh to the group of seven in some capacity. That's really, really great. Um, Once again, if you want to, you know, find out more information about this uh, immersive exhibit, uh, it's called Immersive Van Gogh. Can they just look that up? Uh, just type that in the Google search and it'll come yep, up. Google Dale. search should bring it up. Make sure you use Toronto to just make sure that you get okay. us. You could also go to the website, which is vangoexhibit.ca. Great. Thank you so much, Dale. Before we go, um, tell me what your impressions were. Seeing it come from, you know, projectors in a box to what it is today what are some sweeping sweeping moments you can tell me or experiences you had with this immersive ex- exhibit that perhaps i will never have or listeners may never have i can genuinely say i've been working with this company for a while usually they work with theatricals um, although we have done art exhibits in the past um and I was not expecting to be as moved as i was when i saw it if i'm being quite frank I like art sure. and I enjoy it, but I wasn't many of the team members had actually gone to Paris to see the creators um one that they did at the uh, Atelier de Lumière in Paris which had like 2 million people go and see it or something. So obviously it was very wow. popular and people were explaining it to me but I was like okay yeah sure. <laughs> and then to actually to actually, the first time I got to experience it was in its entirety was in my car. And when the lights went out and it started, I was completely moved, completely transfixed by it in a way that I was not expecting to be. So I would say that I'm a convert at this point. I'm sure people are moved to tears when they see this they because it is so special. They are. It's a, it's a, it's a very special exhibit at a very special time. And I think... It's, you know, art is a salve. And I think that in this way, people can experience it with their families. And it's great. It's great. 
The wonderful thing for me with regards to this, and in case you're hearing noise behind Dale, those, that's some cars on the street behind yeah, I'm you, so right? I'm so sorry. I live right oh, it, on Queen it's Street. Kind of, it's kind of hip- hypnotic, but I'm sure listeners are like, what are those if sounds? You're, I always like to identify. If you're familiar with Toronto streetcars, uh, right. the iconic Toronto streetcars are only a few feet from my front door. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's one thing I love about this exhibit, and I know I've been going on about it, but it really struck me, I have to say. I'm, I know I'm kind of gushing, but I have seen Van Gogh's works in various museums throughout the world, in New York, in Chicago, in Paris, and I think we even have one in Toronto that I may have seen. And so you see the work in front of you, and it's striking and awesome, and whether you like Van Gogh or not, you can appreciate or one could appreciate what they're seeing. But to see all that work at one time in a immersive exhibit, you get to see sort of a, a good portion of the body of this artist's work in front of you and get an, an in-depth kind of feel for it. That's one of the things that I think is so unique and so special about this exhibit. Well, listen, I'll let the producers know that was that was their intention. So... It's yeah, interesting. They, they I, I think if I recall, Van Gogh's mm-hmm. pieces are very small. Like there are I, the ones I have seen have been quite small. See, it's interesting because that's something that they say about the Mona Lisa as well. I don't think they're small. I think our perception of what we expect to see is larger than what it is because we tend to see these images in books and on screensavers, let's say, and in so many different places, that you have this ex- expectation that it's going to be grand. And they are grand. But I think in North American perspectives, we have this idea that grand is often bigger. Yeah. And they're, they're not eight by tens, but they're big, slightly bigger than that. I would say they're the standard size of a, of a canvas that you buy, or perhaps at that time. I feel like and my memory is like the tiniest thing. But maybe okay. I just remember things small. <laughs> maybe, maybe you do. do. That's, that's not a bad thing. How, how do you remember things, folks? Small, big, or medium, as I like to I like to give options to my niece when I ask her, how does she love me? Small, big, or medium? She always goes with medium. She likes to play her play no, her. You've got to be safe about it, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Dale, listen, this has been such a wonderful... Thank you for doing this, first of all. I really do appreciate it. And thank you to Lighthouse Immersive, who allowed you to be on my show to give us a glimpse of what's behind the curtain. Listen, I'm so happy to be here. I love the show. I've been on it before. Thank you. You I think have. I talked about snow tires or something. And it is my pleasure. I love your listeners. And... I think it's great. I've personally listened to your show and not gotten to the end of it. So that's well, the idea. That's what that's that's the goal. Maybe we can have you back on to talk about social media in really in-depth ways. Because for some people that'll put them right oh, out. Oh listen, I have the most mundane analytics to talk about. It's really special. Get ready for the funnel. Oh, you know what? I should have you look at my analytics for this show and we can just talk about people in Missouri and who's listening in Missouri yeah, to our show. And when they're listening, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Dale Boyer or Dale Boyer, thank you so much for being a part of the Insomnia Project today. My pleasure. As always, you can, um, you know, 
follow us, rate us, review us, whatever you like. But please take a look at at Immersive Van Gogh. We'll have it in the show notes so that you can see what's going on on their Instagram, their Twitter, and see what, what I've tried to explain. And it's so hard to explain art in a audio way, unless the art is some sort of crazy, crazy music type thing that's being that's happening. Yeah, you could say this podcast is a type of art. Sure. Digital. Digital art. There Staying you go. Ch- talking chilly. In a chill way. Chillaxing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Dale, thanks again. Have a great you evening. You too.